I, I listen, I get it. I, I grew up in a very traditional church um, that if you moved, people thought weird about you, right? It's like, how dare you move to the altar and how, how dare you pray before invitation? And, uh, you know, we don't want to be broken because if we're broken, then people think we're crazy, right? Um, not what the scriptures say at all. I'm re- learning more and more, church, that I've let tradition govern my walk with God for way too long. And I just want the Lord to lead my walk. I'm okay with scripture being scripture and me being wrong. Um, y'all can say, man, I hate that. Um, I'm learning this. I, I wish I had it put together, but, man, man, if y'all can see inside my head right now, the Lord's going, quit, you're busy. Anyways, last Sunday we talked about how our busyness robs us of the margins of our lives. So in the margins of our lives, these moments that we should be engaging with God, we're busy. I mean, if we're just being honest, if we did a quick inventory of our own personal walks with God, we would say the following, I would spend more time with God but blank. But he doesn't know my schedule, or he, he doesn't know how crazy my kids are, or he doesn't know how stressful my business is, or he doesn't know how tired I am in the morning, or how tired I am at night. And then it's a reality check that that's why God sent Jesus. Because Jesus was not only Savior of our lives, he is also the model by which we are to live. Was Jesus' schedule busy? I mean, of all the people on the planet, he had thousands coming to meet with him every day. I mean, was Jesus stressed? (laughs) I mean, of course he was, right? Was Jesus tired? Well, we get these moments where, like, they get out on a boat and they're all awake, but what is Jesus doing? He's asleep. I think Jesus was exactly how you are today. Broken, tired, stressed. He had a busy schedule. But we see Jesus often getting away to be with the Father. You see, when your margins are full of you, you start to take out the margins of Jesus. And I believe this with all my heart. Jesus wants you to get up and go to work. In fact, Scripture tells us if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. So uh, Jesus is not contrary to Scripture, right? He wants you to get up and go to work. Jesus wants you to take care of your children. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Jesus is not contrary to Scripture. What's more is Jesus wants you to save. Jesus wants you to earn a living. He talks so often about money in Scripture. In fact, most of the New Testament when Jesus speaks is about monetary and how it governs a person's life. Somebody that sells a field, someone that sells all they own, a widow's might. Jesus cares about your finances. But the question that you have to answer today is, does Jesus care about you? You see, we, we can talk all day about a Jesus who died on the cross for you, but does Jesus care about you beyond the cross is a question you get to answer every morning or every night that you spend time with him. Because if Jesus dies at the cross and goes up to heaven and doesn't care about you anymore, then why are you here? Why come to church? 
You see, because it's more than that, the story continues. Today, you should have as much of God living in you as you could possibly stand. You should be filled with His Spirit, drawn by Him, led by Him, changed by Him. The truth about it, though, is we like to change the way humanistically we can, but not the way spiritually that we can. We, we govern everything about God by what our humanistic nature says. I'm sick, therefore God is not good. I'm broke, therefore God is not rich. Do you see that when we add God into our humanistic understanding and we govern him by what we think about him this side of heaven, we limit God. This morning when Brian stood here and he asked the kids, how big is God? It's the very question of your margins. I remember as a kid singing a song, my God is so big, so strong, and so what? Mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. None of y'all? Okay. Um, We sang it as kids, we believe it as kids, but as adults, we lose our margins. You know, today, as we look through Scripture, we run into adults who lost their margins. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 Jesus is encountered by a family that he knows well. We see this family appear several times throughout the New Testament. And we're always challenged by what the story is around them. The narrative that they draw into the truth of who Jesus is. Verse 38, it says this of Luke 10, 38. While they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Which kind of gives us an interesting thought, right? Whose house was it? It's Martha's. Martha has this house. This is her house. She goes, hey, you guys should come in here. So they're sitting there, and it says that she has a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to talk theology of the scripture with you for a second. Because scholars are 50-50 into what's really being said by Jesus in this moment. Some scholars believe that what Jesus is talking about is this. That Martha invites them in, and she has a setup of, you know, let's just go Tex-Mex. Chicken fried steak mashed potatoes and corn. Jesus and the disciples sit down, and Mary's like, hey, we've got the food set. Let's, let's enjoy the show. Martha goes, hey, listen, Jesus also likes burritos. We need to make some more food, and so she gets to go in. And so in this moment, some scholars believe that when Jesus is talking with Martha, he says, you've already set food on the table. Quit bringing out more food. That's not where I land. I land in this area where here is Mary listening to what Jesus has to say and he's preaching some good stuff here and Mary's soaking it in and Martha is working she's forgotten who's in her home she's been doing the task she's she's doing what let's just y'all ready for the sexist remark of the day she's doing what a woman in her culture would do she's working you know who gets to sit and listen to Jesus in their culture the men The women should be working. And Martha's bothered by this. 
Martha shows up and she's like, there's a job to be done, Jesus, and my sister doesn't get her place. And Jesus looks at Martha and says, no, you've forgotten yours. She's made the right choice. That's, that's where I land with this story. So this morning, I just want to see what we get from Scripture. Because I believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful in the teaching, correcting, rebuking of a man so he's thoroughly equipped, don't you? Don't you believe the Bible's still good to equip us and to train us, to rebuke us? I mean, y'all liked it up until the rebuking part, right? Like, teach us, yes. Train us, yes. Rebuke us, excuse me. So countercultural to be rebuked by Scripture, right? We need rebuking in our life. We need changing in our life, and here's why. If you don't change, you die. Somebody asked me the other day, Kyle, it feels like our church is changing. Like, it just seems like it's changing every day, like something, this has changed, now that's changed. It just seems like that's happening, and, and I just tell them this, praise God. We need change. We need change so that we grow. We need change so that we remind ourselves that it's not about us. Because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess on earth and under the earth. That Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. If we don't get this, if we don't get the truth of the name of Jesus, then it becomes very minimized why you even wake up in the morning. We need Jesus. It's a reminder that we need correcting or rebuking because without it we become, well, we find ourselves in a really bad spot. Like the man that shows up at the doctor, walks up to the front counter. The lady says, sir, how, how can I help you? He goes, I've got shingles. And she goes, well, have a seat. Fill out paperwork and then we'll be right with you. He kind of shakes his head, sits down, fills out paperwork. Next, nurse walks out and she says, uh, I know it's been about 15 minutes, we're kind of busy, but what do you have again? He says, I have shingles. She goes, huh. Set him down, took his height, weight, complete medical history, told him to wait in the examining room. Half an hour later, another nurse walks in. She goes, sir, I'm sorry, we're so busy. What do you have again? He says, ma'am, I have shingles. And she goes, okay. So she took some blood work. Um, you know, did blood pressure, electrocardiogram. She said, take off your clothes and wait for the doctor. He just kind of looks at her like, okay. And so he's sitting there, and about a half hour later, the doctor walked in. He said, hello, sir. Can you tell me again what you have? He goes, I have shingles. And the doctor said, where? He said, out in the truck. Where do you want them? <laughs> when you and I don't get correction in our lives, we will find ourselves in circumstances that are out of our control. That's why we have to widen the margins. That's why we have to free our lives up. That's why you have to free your finances up. That's why you got to free your love up. That's why you got to become a free Christian in Christ. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to work deeply in your life. That's why you got to renounce the work of the enemy in your life and take on a new way of living. I, I believe that in this moment, we, we learn from these two ladies that life has a way of taking up your margins. Life just does it to you. You didn't start out the first year of your life saying, hey, I don't want any margins in my life. I, I want to be completely stressed at all given points. And, and that may be you today. Maybe you came to church and you said, I am just stressed. Have nothing else to do. In fact, we, we reward stress. And we call it weird things. 
Like that man is a workaholic, praise God for him. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Man, that is a, a young lady with killer ambition. She is cutthroat in all of her dealings. She's here before anybody and she leaves after everybody. Well, how's her family life? What family? You know, what life? Listen, we're dying from the craziest things in our world because our margins are just filled full of us. I mean, it's stressful. Life is just getting more and more stressful. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're just at the end. You've, you've sharpened both ends of the pencil. You're burning both ends of the candlestick. We've heard them all, right? I, I just feel like there's some things that we can understand that relate to our spiritual lives that we're missing. God cares about your time. He cares that you've filled your whole life chock full of you. Because in the moments that something happens, that's about the only time that we really call out to God for anything. There's these moments that we go to God and we say, where were you? Expecting God to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I took a break, you know. I needed some me time. I mean, if any person ever created, Jesus deserved me time, right? Like, he should have been able to pause. All right, whoop. I just need to pause. These disciples are crazy. They just don't get it. I mean, my own people don't receive me. I mean, there's this moment where Jesus goes back home, and all they can say about him is, isn't he the carpenter kid? And he's like, man, it's the worst in your own hometown. Our margins are so full of us that we can't seem to find any other way. But we've bought a lie that busyness completes us somehow. But let me just tell you, busyness is not completeness. Busyness can never be completeness. And here's why. Because busyness is not equal to a full life. It's just equal to a breakdown eventually. I mean, those of y'all that are machinists, that know how machines work better than I will ever know, Realize that at a certain point, if you don't stop and oil and lube parts, that eventually you're going to have a breakdown. But only in our lives do we believe that we can keep running at this crazy pace and that it's going to be okay. That I've heard people say this, I'm just going to run as hard and as fast as I can until I die. Well, can I just tell you something about that? There is a great thing that comes in ambition. And, and believe me, God doesn't want you to be lazy. But let me just tell you, if at the sake of running as fast and as hard as you can, you're missing moments with God, you have become something that's going to break down. Ultimately, Scripture says that those that run at that pace without God are worthless to Him. I don't want to be found there, do you? Like, I want to be found at the end of my life being completely driven by who Jesus is, such that I have these moments of greatness with Him. I want to be found in these moments. I, I've taken a dare, and it's something that Brian and I really enjoy doing now. It's this, and I'm going to challenge you again with it. Ask your waitress or waiter how you can pray for them. And be astounded. They're going to tell you something. If, if nothing else, like April and I, our waitress the other day said she was going on a trip and wanted us to pray for her safety. We're like, absolutely. And we did. I'm just reminded of something that, remember that today when you go out to eat, they have to wait on you. 
And I don't know about y'all, but I wouldn't want to wait on me. Like, I drink sweet tea because I believe that's the heavenly drink. Um, I believe that when Moses hit the stone in the desert, we call it water, but it came dirty. It was tea. It was beautiful. And it's from Jesus, so it was sweet. Um, But I like sweet tea, but April can tell you that they set my drink down after a Sunday morning preaching, and my sweet tea goes from full to empty in like .2 seconds. Just... And you can always see the waiters or the waitress. They come back to our table to take our, our food order, and they go, oh, you're that guy. I'll bring you back a refill here in a second. I always apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'll slow down on the next one. I promise you, maybe. Why don't you just bring out a pitcher? This would be a whole lot easier. Just a straw. That would be awesome. Um, but they have to wait on us. So why don't you show up with Jesus? Jesus shows up at Martha's house, and he sits down, and they're, they're about to just eat it all up. And Martha, you got to remember what the houses look like. It's not like separated like we do. Like we're starting to go back to open concept, which I think is interesting. But in that day, everything's open concept, bedrooms, everything. So here's Martha. She's cooking away so they, they can see her. And I don't know about y'all, but when I'm putting in moments where um, I'm stressed and there's people in the room not helping, you can tell that too, because I'm going, um, um, um. Imagine Martha just, um, Mary, Mary, Mary. Still cooking, and Mary's just like sending Jesus' feet, like, really, Jesus, Martha, Jesus. Martha, I live with you every day, Martha. I'm going to hang out with Jesus for a while. Plus, if you try and say anything bad about me, I'm going to be like, Jesus, you know? So in this moment, they're, they're sitting there together, and here's Martha cooking up a storm, and she stops Jesus from talking. Let's not forget Jesus' teaching. And so she has to be like, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus? Great story. Um, my sister's sitting at your feet right now, and she's lazy. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Uh, Don't you think she should get up and help me, Jesus? Mary? Expecting that Jesus would be like, Oh, woman, thou shalt walk across the way and help thine sister. That was King James. Um, But instead he's like, you're missing the point. How many times am I in your house? How many times am I preaching in your home? Why are you standing in the kitchen? Man, I can make food come out of like just a few loaves and a few fish. Don't you think I can set a buffet in this room? Like, I think you're missing the point. I'm here. Show up. Quit being busy. You know what you don't see? A rebuttal. You don't see Martha then going, but Jesus, I don't think you get it. Unless I work, there's not going to be food on the table, so I kind of feel like I need some help. Or, hey, Jesus, you're a miracle worker. Why don't you do something and let some people work so I can sit and listen? Instead, in this moment, Jesus has the final word, and his final word is quit being busy and listen. 
It's the same thing God's going to tell you tomorrow morning. Because I'm praying for this. I've been praying for this. I've set you up. I'm praying that tomorrow is miserable for you until you spend time with Jesus. <laughs> Somebody amen that? Thank you, John. Okay. Whew. I didn't know if anybody would amen that statement. I was like, okay, Lord, let's stretch. Holy stretches. Um, I, I just think that there's a reality that comes in the Christian walk that if you don't spend time with Jesus, why should you expect for him to spend time in your day? Like, let's be re real in this moment. It's always been a relationship. It's a relationship between you and Jesus. How is your side of this relationship going? Because he's faithful. He's just. He's forgiving. He's loving. What are you? Absent. So he can love you as much as he wants, but you're on the other end not doing anything. So at some point we've got to be real about our margins. We're missing moments. In fact, we're missing so much moments with the Lord that we find ourselves uniquely more Martha than Mary. And in that moment, we realize that our margins are messed up. It's this little boy in the shopping center. He's standing in the middle of the shopping center. He's just weeping. And he's just like, Mom, where are you? Mom! And people are walking by, and they're like, oh, my goodness. So instead of, like, really helping because they don't have margins enough for that, they just give the boy change. So, like, people are, like, dropping quarters and nickels and dimes at his feet. And he's just like, <laughs> Mom! Like, an hour of this goes by. He's got quite a bit of change around him. Finally, the store worker walks up, and he's like, Son, I, I think I know where your mom is. And he says, So do I. Keep quiet. I've got a good thing going. This is margins. It's the moments that we say to people, I want more of Jesus. I want to follow after him. I want him in my life. I want to experience him. I want to, I want to be like that person who feels like they walk with Jesus. I want that for my life. And then someone goes, well, let me, let me walk with you. Hey, listen, I've got a good thing going here. I don't, listen, I, I don't really want to pursue Jesus like that. I just want to say it. There's this form of scripture that says that there's going to be a day where people have a form of godliness but deny its power. Maybe this is the greatest indication of our generation's version of Christianity. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to encounter him. I want to feel him deep in my soul. I want to be led by his spirit. And we say, well, well, come on then. And they go, oh, well, you know, I want to, but I just I don't want to. I want to be with Jesus in the room, but rather than sit at his feet and be changed by him, I'd rather just be cooking for him. Let me just tell you something. Jesus can feed himself. He needs no Marthas. He needs a generation of Marys. In our church, we ask you all the time to serve. But can I just tell you something? The reason I believe that we're not full of servants in our church is because we have a lot of Marthas. After this story, don't you think Mary went back to serving her household? It's because she had this encounter with Jesus that Martha missed. That would ultimately lead Mary to be a central figure in the rest of the Bible. She's there. 
you know, when Jesus starts to talk to him about faith. I believe the last thing we get from this story is this. Clearing up our margins is all about making the right choices. It's about realizing that when Jesus is in your midst, you can be busy as you want to be. And you can claim that you want to be around Jesus. You can claim that you want to experience him, that you want to hear from him, that you want to be changed by him. Or you can sit at his feet. What will you do today with Jesus? Because we can keep doing this. I mean, you can keep showing up every Sunday after Sunday. I'm so grateful and thankful for your fellowship. I I love that you come. But ultimately in heaven, it won't be about you and me. It won't be about Quell Creek, and it won't be about Amarillo, and it won't even be about the U.S. It's going to be about Jesus. What will you do with Jesus now? What will you do with him today? Will you simply do your busyness? I've come to church. I've done my thing. I'll serve in my places. Or will you sit at his feet and ask him to change your life? Because when you do that, something changes. You become open to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I promise you this, you'll experience a change. I've grown up my whole life in that traditional field, believing something that I want to admit to you today. That if I came on the stage and I preached to you about the work of the Holy Spirit, the next Sunday you'd be running up and down the aisles going, woo, 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 woo. and I'd be going, oh no, they've, they've gone cuckoo. You've believed it too. Let's just admit that together. Because all we've thought about the Holy Spirit is the crazy and not the truth. And the truth is this. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can't live without the work of the Holy Spirit. And so today, let me ask you a question. Are you a Martha or a Mary? Are you just busy acting like Jesus? Are you sitting at his feet hoping he changes you? How you can know the difference is this. Jesus says that they'll know us by our love, by our fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you're not experiencing that, now is the day to sit at the feet of Jesus. So at the first of this sermon, I asked you to come and pray. Because maybe you're like me, you just got caught up in the Martha moment of today. Now let's have the Mary moment again. Our praise team is going to come and pray, uh, play for us. They're going to be praying too. I'm going to ask you to make a move. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. You ready? Box up all your stuff. Go ahead and do it. Throw it under your chair. Throw it in the pew next to you. Get all that out of the way. Because every time I say now let's pray, that's when you do it. So let's get prepared. I'll do the same. Look. Turning that off. Shutting it. Closing my Bible. You know what that means. Ten more minutes. Um, okay, now that you're ready. What if? What if at the end of this service today, you made a drastic move to follow after Jesus? A passionate pursuit that led you beyond just being okay with Jesus, just letting your circumstances dictate your view of Jesus, into a relationship with Jesus that changes you. 
through the word of the Holy Spirit, starting today, you'd say, man, I want the Lord to wreck my life. If that's you, if you want to be a Mary today, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to start praying. You're going to hear people moving. That's our praise team coming up. You just keep your eyes shut. You don't even, don't even listen to that. Just shut it out and say, God, I want a moment with you. I want to be at your feet. I want to be changed by you. I don't want to be caught in the Martha moments. Just keep praying that prayer. I'm going to say amen, we're going to stand, and I'm just going to ask you to do something radical. I'm just going to ask you just to elbow people out of your way to get to the altar. Find yourself here. Kneel here, lay here, whatever it takes. Again, maybe it's just you need to come up here and stand. Whatever it is, you would be that kind of passionate person that would say, I don't want another week to go by without this moment where I radically start to say, God, I want you to have all of me. I'm so in. I want to be changed by you. Maybe this is your moment to be found in, the, in a generation of Marthas being found to be a Mary. And maybe that's your heartbeat today. Maybe inside your chest you can just feel that. I want to be passionately in love with Jesus like that. Maybe today you're like, I don't even know how to start that. That's why we come down here. That's why we three men stand here. Come find one of us. But if you're a follower of Jesus, get uncomfortable. You know how uncomfortable it must have been to sit at the feet of Jesus for that long? Be a Mary for once, and let's passionately pursue Jesus together. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father in heaven, let revival begin. God, get us out of the way of where your spirit wants to lead. And God, let it start here, and let it start now, and let it start with us. No more stories of a church that does this or a a town that does that. God, we don't even want to be known. We don't want to be in the newspaper. We just want to be known by you. Lord, we want you to win this moment. So God, send your spirit now, God. Let it change our lives. May we be found at the feet of Jesus, radically holding on in the midst of a great moment, God. Let it happen now, God. Lord, we pray that you would move, Lord. So move, God. Move now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Stay in your feet. Let's go. Come on.